Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You're listening to the Make an Impact podcast, episode 28. And oh, my lanta, it is almost 2021. Can I get a hallelujah? Uh, It's almost here. So excited. I think everyone is just like beyond jacked and stoked to just put a lot of 2020 behind you. Uh, Whether it was a great year, whether it was a rough year, I mean, I think it was rough for everybody and some people had really amazing silver linings and and happy spots through it and that's incredible. I hope with any new year that people can take the good parts of what happened and, and all of the happy lessons and good memories and carry those forward for just a stronger new year. I am a really big goal setting person. I love vision boards. I love goal setting. I love mapping myself out for whatever it is that I'm working on. So I always like this time of year in particular, even though I'm doing a lot of goal setting and goal mapping and vision casting all year long. Um, but it's just fun because it's a really easy time marker uh, to be setting new things. So very excited. I do love this time of year just for the A, the type A part of my personality. Um, however, from a uh, nonprofit perspective, this is also a great time to, as you're planning your 2021 strategy for a nonprofit, a large part of that is marketing, advertising, public relations, media, media relations, um, all the things. How are you getting more press coverage? How are you getting noticed more in the media, especially if you are a small nonprofit, especially if you don't have a budget for something like getting like press and media coverage because, you know, any type of marketing and advertising budget, maybe you're putting into Facebook and Instagram ads. Maybe you're putting into, you're putting, you know, elsewhere for for different ads. I I think Facebook and consequently Instagram ads are probably the most commonplace people put a lot of marketing budgets at this point. But, you know, um, if you're if you are a nonprofit, by all means, you need to be getting um, the Google ad grant, which grants you up to $10,000 a month in Google advertising so that you, you know, your page and your keywords are driving you up to the top of Google. Um, If you do not know about the Google advertising grant and you want to know more, We will have an upcoming episode on it in 2021 with the guy on our team, the operational loan team who runs it. Very excited for that. I'm pretty sure that we convinced him to do it. So (laughs) stay tuned. Um, But Facebook and and Instagram is great. Um, You know, there's also another company in Madison that we've been trying to work with for some billboard ads, uh, podcast advertising, if you're part of that. Whatever it is that you're trying to do to get the word out for your nonprofit, your organization, whether it's the good that you're doing, the volunteers that you need, the events that you're having, if we can have events in 2021, am I right? 
we need, you know, but also just to share the good thing that you're doing in the world, whether it's directly tied to a donation ask or not, right? Because just getting yourself out there, that recognition is so stinking important. But it's hard when you are working on a very small team and maybe you don't have someone very specific for this position. And number two, um, if you, again, if you don't have a media budget. If you didn't put money behind this, it's really hard to find and successfully navigate getting free press and media coverage, which is why I was very excited to talk to Lillian Sue, who like this is her jam. This is her thing. This is what she is good at. Um, and she came to the table today with so many fantastic like tips and tricks and um, just ways that people talk in like the PR and the media world and particularly with nonprofits, how they can communicate with those reporters, those journalists and really just kind of figure out and spin different ways so that you can be getting free media coverage, get the word out there for your nonprofit, get that positive PR, get yourself in front of people's eyes, whether it's, you know, on paper, on your phone, in a magazine, whatever it is. She has great knowledge and insight for how nonprofits can be doing this. And I think I really would encourage you if you're, if you're listening to this episode to be taking notes actively, like writing it down and figuring it out how you're going to play this into your 2021 strategic plan. Because among the many downfalls of 2020, one of them was definitely in press and in the media between the pandemic, between the election, between the fact that everything just felt like it was on a super mega dumpster fire every day. Like there was so much happening, so much noise in the media sphere. Like it was impossible to try and cut through any of that. Um, it, it was next to impossible. And even if you were lucky enough to cut through a lot of the noise and get yourself on a great like news spot, media spot, press spot, whatever, um, a lot of people were tuning out because it was so it, everything about 2020 was also such like sen- sensory overload that the last thing that you wanted to do if it wasn't like directly, you know, impacting exactly where you were and, you know, if it wasn't directly impacting, um, you know, your state's elections or your city's COVID responses or whatever, it was so hard to try and have people even pay attention. So I think 2021 will be really critical for making sure that you are at the forefront of a lot of PR conversations and making sure that you're going to be getting seen and getting heard and also getting to do it for free. So without further ado, Lillian, can you please explain a little bit about yourself, how you kind of came to be this PR mega press guru today? Hi, everyone. My name is Lillian. I am a longtime copywriter, social media strategist, and publicist who specializes in working with indie film and television, food and beverage brands, tourism and hospitality. And I've done a fair bit of work with some nonprofits and social enterprises as well, just helping uh, with their PR strategies as well as with um, marketing. And I've actually done some work for a social enterprise in the Netherlands. And we work with um, nonprofits on how to increase their marketing efforts. So I've submitted a lot of content and done a lot of insight and advice on their blog in regards to everything from how to properly market a fundraising event to, you know, 
why you need to use email marketing, just giving out pieces of advice like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been following you on social for a little while now. And yeah, you're just pumping out great content and advice for other people. So I've loved seeing it. Thank you again for being here today. Um, so let's kind of get down you know, to some of these nitty gritty questions, because I think sometimes when it comes to, especially PR, you know, people really lump like PR, marketing, social media, like all in this one bucket and think that they're all the same thing. So let's kind of start picking those apart. And very specifically, let's talk about the power of public relations and why people should kind of have like a separate uh, PR game plan. That's a little different from their marketing and social media game plan. PR is basically the top ways that you can manage uh, your online reputation. Uh, What it is, is about getting social proof through media coverage, through connections with uh, influencers and journalists from non-biased third parties that will allow your audiences and your customers to trust you. It helps to increase your credibility and increase your visibility. And it really helps you to gain international recognition just through different pieces of press coverage you can get. And and press coverage can be anything from a mention in a magazine to a podcast interview to um, a book review, whatever it is that you put out there when you're putting your project out there to be reviewed, when you're getting out there to be interviewed, when you invite, say, a journalist to attend a fundraising event, all these things cumulatively added up together establish your online reputation. And PR is really powerful because earned media is, you don't have to pay for it, right? All of these journalists that do this for you, that do the interviews, that attend your events, that review whatever it is that you have coming out, they do it for free. You're not paying them. And that's how it establishes social proof for you and your organization and your brand online that, hey, this person is trustworthy. This brand is trustworthy. This organization knows what they're doing. So it lends to your credibility and it helps to establish you as a leader in the industry. That's where it's real power kind of comes in. And and it's not, um, you do the initial outreach, but it's the journalists, the reporters, the influencers, all of those people that will get you the coverage that helps to establish, you know, how trustworthy you are, establish your reputation and establish that social proof that you are who you say you are. It's coming from their mouths, not from your own. And that's what makes it really different from marketing and social media. Mm-hmm. So really quickly, so you started talking about earned media. So I, my old job actually used to be with like kind of like a content marketing firm. And we did a lot of this like earned versus paid media. Um, and so I learned a lot of those little tricks as a reader, how to cite, how to spot like what's earned, what's paid, you know, what people are doing. And I, social media has made it really easy when people have to now do like the hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored, but for things that aren't just Instagram, how can people kind of spot the differences between what's earned and what's paid media? Well, you know, paid media, as you know, is any sort of advertising, any kind of brand sponsorship that you enter into with a news organization. Um, And a lot of that can be uh, 
a lot of it is product related. A lot of it can be service related. If they happen to be talking a lot about a particular service or a particular product, it's, it's usually certain terminology that you can kind of spot, like, you know, um, I'm here to talk to you today about blank, or I love blank because of this. Certain things, certain terminology that they use, and also just um, paid media can be a lot of online advertising as well. So a lot of that sponsored ads you see on Instagram, Twitter ads, Facebook ads too, and, and you know, any sort of um, Google online search ads, that's how you sort of tell the difference in regards to how it's structured, um, what it's usually the ones that I've seen have been really about a particular product. If, if they talk about doing, say, sponsorships with influencers, if an organization has a particular cause and they want to get the word about it out a little bit more, then usually they'll have a particular influencer who talks about, hey, I'm doing this for a particular cause. It helps that there's a lot more transparency that's built into the industry. Um, but the the thing about paid media that makes it different from earned media, if earned media is about establishing social proof and building your credibility, then paid media is just simply, simply the one-way street of getting the word out about something. There's no audience engagement there. There's no audience interaction. It's not about building trust. It's just about getting the word out and seeing how many people you can reach with a particular campaign as opposed to building audience interaction and audience engagement into that. Mm -hmm. And I remember working with a lot of different brands who some people loved this term and some people hated this term. Can you explain the term pay for play and why some people would really enjoy it and why some people are a little against it? Well, uh, in my experience on the public relations Side, uh, particularly here in Canada, because of the fact that um, our media influence and the number of outlets and just the number of journalists overall has have shrunk over the years due to buyouts and, and layoffs and things like that, early retirements. What's been happening is that a lot of these outlets have a lot less resources that they used to have in terms of people, in terms of money, in regards to just giving organizations the earned media that they would love to give them but they just don't have the people to write the stories they don't have people to attend the events so what ends up happening is a lot of times people who want to get earned media have to pay into some sort of avatorial deal mm -hmm. some kind of advertising or sponsorship deal where it's like you know, okay, we will have you in our studio for an interview segment if you pay for online advertising on our website, if you pay for um, airtime on the news hour in order to get sort of the other part of it. And what that does, I mean, I can understand it from the media standpoint because they're working with such limited resources these days. This is kind of how they can sort of guarantee that someone's going to get um, some sort of coverage, right? The problem with that, though, is a lot of your smaller brands, your smaller businesses, your nonprofits, your social enterprises have limited budgets or unlimited budgets, rather. So they end up missing out on this and missing out on, you know, these media coverage opportunities that maybe they could have been able to get even five years ago. 
And now they've been sort of shut out of that. It's a matter of trying to circumvent that part of it to say, okay, can we say maybe a smaller radio station that doesn't have as large of an audience reach, but that's willing to say do a PSA Mm -hmm. instead of having us pay for an advertisement. Right. So kind of touching on one of the things you just said about the fact that, you know, specifically nonprofits and, or even just, you know, small budding new uh, social enterprises and businesses, uh, we don't really have a budget (laughs) for these things. And if we do, it's quite minuscule. So how can people be getting free press coverage? And I think especially now, um, you know, this episode will air after here in the States, like our election cycle is over, but talk Mm -hmm. about things that have dominated the news, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, just in these turbulent times, it feels like everything is headline news. So how can we even kind of compete? How can we get in there for some free press coverage? Uh, It comes down to how you choose to structure what it is that you want news coverage on, right? It's always about, um, my, my big thing has always been about, you think about what it is your audience wants to know. It's not about how you feel about it. It's about what your audience wants to know and what, and the media is part of that audience because they're disseminating your information to their audiences, right? So it's always about what is it that you want them to know and how quickly can you get to that point? getting to the point, getting to that hook, getting to, you know, um, the story of right now in terms of how, say, your nonprofit has been operating during COVID. What, what's the impact that you've been able to make? How can you still, like, if you're working with um, at-risk youth or making sure kids still get fed you know, their meals every day when they're coming from households that maybe not, don't have the capabilities to feed them every day, things like that, looking at how do you, how are you still measuring that impact at this time and how to get to that point as quickly as possible. So when you're doing things like um, putting together your story idea, putting together that headline in order to send it off to a pitch, um, first of all, make sure your story idea and your headlines are solid, get to that hook. If, for example, during all this, you've still been able to feed and clothe 5,000 children, lead with that, you know, lead with that and then get to the meat of it later. Get to how you got there later, but lead with that, the opening result. Um, And that goes for, you know, um, anything that you send accompanying that. If you've got videos, if you've got photos, make sure all of those are in a centralized location when you're sending it with your story pitch so they don't have to come looking for you to ask for these kinds of things. It it saves time. It saves them time. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to actually reaching out to the media, that's where you have to do your research, right? figure out who on a local scale in your city or your town or your region would be interested in covering this sort of thing. Looking at, you know, even people that you know um, who have come to your events. Maybe you've had some of those people show up to your events in the past and just looking at who in your network can get you in front of those people that you want to be in front of. Um, It's definitely difficult to break through the noise under regular circumstances. These days, it's even tougher with what's been going on, you know, not just COVID related, but as you say, with politics and everything too, 
So it's a matter of just how quickly can you get to the point of what you did? What was the result of what you've been able to accomplish? And then give them the meat of how you got there afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even in what you just said there, which I thought was fantastic advice, um, you know, and really leading with the impact that you're having, but like, let's talk about, cause this is one of my biggest pet peeves is the, you know, everyone loves a good clickbait headline, <laughs> you know, something to really get you kind of in there. So when it seems like everything is a hot headline, you know, how, how can you be structuring yourself that you're going to cut through kind of the garbage clickbait headlines so that because you have a really great uh, meaty one, how can people kind of cut through that? What makes it clickbaity at the end of the day is that they'll put something sensationalized in the headline and then the body of what you're actually reading has nothing to do with that, right? That's where they get you. That's, that's kind of where they come in with that. And to combat that, what you then need to do is to make sure that what you're sending out backs up that headline. Everything that, you know, if, if your result is, hey, we fed and clothed 5,000 kids over the past, you know, six months during the pandemic, then you need to back up how you did that. Talk about, you know, where you got the donations from. Talk about how you coordinated those efforts. Um, it's really about backing up your headline and also making sure that it's short and snappy enough that people are going to want to read it. And, and for that reason, that, that's why I also recommend sometimes in addition to doing the email outreach, doing social media outreach might help. There are a lot of um, writers and journalists and, and also freelance writers out there who will um, say that they are totally fine getting story ideas through social media uh, and, and they leave themselves open to that. And finding those people sometimes is a little bit easier to uh, get some of that initial media coverage because they could say, send that out through social media for you and then do a story or, you know, do the story and then send it out through social media for you. So then you have more than one avenue of getting that story out just through one person alone. Right. And then they, and then that gets sent out to however many hundreds or thousands of people are following them as well. But I think really when it comes to combating anything that's clickbaity, it's about making sure that you back up what your headline says and, and, and sticking to that. Any sort of sound bites you put out there, any sort of quotes that you put out there, um, it's all about backing up that central premise of the story that you're trying to promote. Mm-hmm. For sure. What, if I can ask, because I know that you've worked with a variety of brands, what's some of the most like creative PR things that you've seen people do, um, particularly like nonprofits um, or these new businesses who were really thinking outside of the box? Sure. Yeah. I was part of a committee known as the Gift of Communication for the International Association of Business Communicators up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And our chapter, uh, every year with the Gift of Communication Committee, we would select a bunch of nonprofits uh, to help them out with sort of building their marketing and their PR plans. And then on the other side, we would select groups of volunteers from our chapter that would work with them to help build that out. And our job as part of the committee was to act as advisors, both to the volunteers and to the nonprofit, just to make sure everything smoothly, that they were meeting their goals and their deadlines. 
And one of the particular nonprofits that I worked with was uh, Big Brothers of Vancouver. And every year they have a project known as uh, the Purple Project, where it's their push um, towards the first quarter of every year. So it's about January, February that they do this. And the Purple Net Project is their big push every year to try and get more uh, male mentors to volunteer because they have quotas for every region and they want to be able to fulfill the quotas and make sure every uh, little brother gets a big brother as a mentor. So, you know, for last year's um, Purple Net project, they said, you know, we've been struggling, our numbers are down, what can we do to sort of get the word out there a little bit more? So what we did was I worked with them to um, do some outreach and, and advise them on, hey, why don't you try local uh, basketball associations to try and get the word out. And they partnered with some local basketball associations and also reached out to um, our premier, who is the leader of our province. And he actually did a PSA piece that made it on the news that talked about the impact of basketball on his life and why it's important for young boys to have, you know, a mentor to kind of not only play ball with them, but teach them about life during all of this. And that was really powerful because there hadn't been a local charity in this capacity that had managed to reach even like the local politicians mm -hmm. on sort of this, this kind of um, issue and, and have it resonate with them. So that was really powerful. And I know that some of the future plans um, with that organization, it kind of got derailed this year and hopefully they'll be back on the saddle with it next year. But one of their plans was to actually do some outreach with uh, Canadian NBA players that are from this province and to even reach out to the Raptors to see if they might want to partner with an association that's really wanting to grow their base and grow their volunteer base through the power of basketball. So I just kind of felt like that campaign was something that I, I'd help advise on that was really powerful. And I'm glad that we were able to sort of boost their numbers about 10% uh, or, or so compared to where they were previously. So I, I consider that a pretty big success. Yeah, that sounds super fun. I like that idea because it's taking things that are pretty closely related and we're like, hey, let's uh, let's kind of be boosting it together. So I love that. Running a business, working your nonprofit, or just simply making an impact takes a lot of energy, which means you need the drink of champions, coffee. Specifically, you need Door County Coffee, a gourmet coffee roastery on a mission to bring you the best coffee on the planet. And that isn't hard when they only roast the top 2% of Arabica beans grown in the entire world. Try any of their medium or dark roasts, like my personal favorite, the Heroes Blend. Or you can try one of their almost 100 delicious flavors like Highlander Grog, Frosted Cinnamon Buns, or Vanilla Creme Brulee. They ship all across the country, so try your first pot today by going to DoorCountyCoffee.com and using the code IMPACT for 15% off your order. That's I-M-P-A-C-T for 15% off at DoorCountyCoffee.com. And get caffeinated today. Um, switching gears a little bit. So you also talk a lot about copywriting and I know that you are even, you can be a hired copywriter for other, you know, brands and people. Um, so what, do, what do you do necessarily as a copywriter for a different brand? And what does that really entail for, you know, for branding and social media? 
Well, um, as with any facet of marketing, it obviously depends on sort of what the needs of the particular brand or organization are going to be. But generally, a copywriter can, you know, I've come in and written websites for brands. So doing all of the copy for everything from their about page to the contact me page and just managing their, their website, sure that it's reflected in the graphics and that it's all benefit driven that it's structured the right way that allows audiences to get to know them a little bit better and, and why they should go to that particular company. Um, it also extends out to things like email camp, you know, writing email funnels for everything from a welcome email to an automated funnel that takes um, customers through a sales process. You know, I've done emails for that. I've done um, writing for digital ads you know, Instagram and Facebook ads and sort of um, kind of managed uh, copy surrounding that. And that also extends to um, social media content as well, which kind of bleeds into my uh, social media strategy part of what I do. Because in addition to helping my clients create content calendars to stay organized and also brainstorm a general strategy on how they want to approach a campaign. I also help them develop the camp, the content, the copy that will accompany any sort of graphics that we're putting out on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook, that sort of thing. And so basically a copywriter really sort of takes care of writing the copy and writing the content of any platform or any medium in which you are doing um, something that's somehow related to sales uh, or, you know, donations or anything that's sort of action driven. That's where copywriting comes in. Uh, it can definitely cross over with, with writing content and more of the educational type, but, and I've certainly done that as well as part of being a copywriter, but generally speaking, it usually extends everything from you know, your website to your digital ads, to email, to social media. And I've also in the past for other brands um, that are still using and done uh, copy for print collateral too, you know, when they need it for trade shows and things like that. So it really sort of runs the gamut of wherever you need copy that's a little bit more sales driven or mm -hmm. more action driven, then that's where a copywriter would come in. Gotcha. And something else you've been posting about a lot lately that's even been making me think of it for like operational loan and everything is um, what is and what should be in someone's media kit? Because I feel like I've only seen media kits with like the really big organizations that I've worked with before, like, you know, Make-A-Wish, Red Cross, like they had really beefy ones. And I feel like I don't see it very often with smaller brands and organizations. So yeah, what is that and what should be in it? It's funny you bring that up since I've just been talking about that the past couple of days, but yeah. uh, it's it's definitely one of the the biggest things that you should have ready before you start a PR campaign. Mm -hmm. And I say that because when you send out a story idea, you're not about to send them pages and pages of information, right? No one's going to want to read through that. The whole point of sending a media kit along with a story pitch is to give them that additional information for when they're ready to look at it. So bare minimum in your media kit, you should have a high res headshot of yourself. 
because you want to put your best foot forward. You want to be shown in your best light. Then it's about having a biography of yourself. Uh, you know, bare minimum should, should have, you know, you should have maybe a couple paragraphs written. In other ways, there's sometimes people that want to do video versions of that. And I do include um, or encourage having more interactivity and everything and doing a, a maybe a video introduction of yourself if you're comfortable with that. But bare minimum, you should have, you know, your headshot, your bio, and then a background of what the organization has done or is doing, right? Mm -hmm. And there are several different ways that you could try and display that to make it more interesting. I've seen people do interactive milestone timelines, you know, or do like an infographic of key milestones of what you've reached in terms of, hey, this is where we were founded. This is when we reached our first uh, milestone of like the first hundred people we helped, like whatever it is to make it a little bit more interactive. The whole point of a media kit is to make it a little bit easier for them to get to know you. Because there's times where, hey, maybe they don't have the bandwidth to actually do an interview with you, but thanks to the media kit, they can still do a feature piece on you and maybe come back for a quote later, right? So the whole point of having a media kit there is making sure that you are putting your best foot forward in written format, in visual format, in video format, to try to send your story to somebody else and to make it easier for them to feature you even if you don't have the bandwidth for an interview, right? So bare minimum, I'm, I've always said to people, you need your headshot, you need your bio, and you need something, some kind of summary, some kind of synopsis that's going to tell them, this is what I'm doing, this is why I chose to do it, and these are some of the results we've been able to get so far. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of having that interactive timeline. I think that that's, that's a super cute idea for it. Um, and what would really make, you know, cause there's like a bare bones, you know, media kit that someone can have on hand. What would make it like a really outstanding media kit that like a, someone that you handed it to in the media, they're like, I'm going to hang on to this and keep it in my back pocket whenever I do need a quote about, um, you know, this kind of organization, or I'm looking to feature this kind of person in my community. Like what would make it outstanding that someone would want to hang on to it? That's where all the interactive elements come from, right? You mm -hmm. go above and beyond even just doing um, a video introduction of yourself, like an introductory video, and do, say, staff interviews, right? Mm -hmm. Do staff interviews for their bios and turn those interviews into audiograms, which is what I'm sure, as you know, a lot of podcasters do, mm -hmm. that they'll take sound clips and they will impose it on an image and then you have those quotes ready to go right mm -hmm. so doing more audio interviews doing more of the audiograms um maybe doing a behind the scenes video trailer that shows them on the day-to-day -day basis this is how we work these are our operations this is how we you know accept our donations for you know these different areas and when we put an event together this is how it works Anything that kind of gives people more of a taste into who you are and why you do what you do and, and how you do it, 
I think is a great way to sort of stay memorable because there's a lot of people out there that will just do the bare bone and they don't have the time or the energy or the know-how or, or the desire to kind of go beyond that. But to really be memorable, you have to, A, make it easy for them to kind of take those pieces and just run with them and B, make those pieces memorable. So doing those audiogram clips, doing, you know, behind the scenes videos where you have those quotes tailor-made and ready to go is going to make it that much easier for them to go, oh, hey, I need, uh, you know, I want to do a story on this organization that's helping at-risk youth and I've got everything ready to go. Like, I don't even have to ask them. Mm -hmm. um, so really, being memorable, I think, is looking at how you can stand out using interactivity. Yeah, I love that. Um, Lillian, this has been so helpful. Do you have any last um, just PR tips for any nonprofits, any new businesses, um, just in general, or just to get their name out there? Uh, two things. I'd say do your research, first of all, on uh, who you want to pitch to, because uh, there's nothing worse than spending all that time and energy creating the story pitch in your media kit and having it sent to the wrong person. Mm. So avoid that by, you know, absolutely doing research into who you actually want to contact, who's going to want to cover you, number one. And number two, when you are looking at building your media kit, when you're looking at crafting a story pitch, the one thing I would really encourage people to think about is if I was a member of the audience, if I was a member of the general public who was looking for an association to donate to, what, what would I want to know? You know, if I wanted to get involved with somebody, what, what is it I would want to know that really make that association stand out and to get a donation from me as a, to somebody else? I think the key is always to keep the audience in mind because we're we can be so busy looking at things from our own viewpoint and what you know what we think works we don't spend enough time thinking about it's when you put it out there you're not the one reading you're not the one watching it you're not the one listening to it it's the audience so when you put yourself in their shoes what would you want to know right and I think that's a really key thing to try and remember um, always, you know, write it down if you have to, post it on the wall before you start a campaign and just be like, always remember, what do I want to know? What, what would entice me to donate to this place when I read about it, when I watch it, when I listen to something that talks about them? Mm -hmm. So really kind of taking a step back and... Um... Yeah, taking yourself out of your shoes and into like a reader's shoes of what would be exciting about this organization. I like that advice because I think it's very easy, especially when we're, you know, starting something and like we are the founders of it to be so close. I do this all the time where I'm like, oh, of course people know that. <laughs> and then I have to back up, be like, nope, no one knows that that's been hiding in your own head. <laughs> Um, I love that advice. Um, Lillian, again, this has been super fun, but also very informative. Um, I think this was very helpful for a lot of people just to kind of help a little bit, get some more media coverage, um, help a little bit with their PR. So thank you again for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to do it. And as you know, since we're, you know, following each other on Instagram anyway, mm -hmm. I mean, any 
any of your listeners have it, have any questions or, you know, there's anybody that needs anything, you, you know where to find me and I'm always happy to answer questions and kind of help people through whatever it is they're dealing with. Yeah. And you are sharing a lot of um, awesome, just free like posts and stories uh, with some great tips. So where can people follow you on Instagram at that, at that note? Sure. Yeah. My Instagram handle is Lillian Sue copywriter PR and they can also find me on Twitter at lsu23, and my website is inretrospectwritingservices.com. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This has been wonderful, and have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe, dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else can catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.